Everybody said in Jesus' name. I guess if we, you can be seated. I guess if we'd title this for the podcast or for the records, let's title it The Shaking. Everybody say The Shaking. <laughs> Amen. The Shaking. Uh, but let's review just for a moment. Uh, last week we discussed or talked about, uh, preached or taught, that sometimes, and we talked about offense and people being offended and things happening, and we talked about how that can happen with people. Last week we talked about it, it is entirely possible to be offended with the Lord. And we read John chapter 6 verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have, you have no life in you. And then in verse 60 of that same chapter, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that it had caused a murmuring in his disciples, he said unto them in a question, does this offend you? Have I offended you? Verse 66 says, from that time forward, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So the answer was, yes, they were offended. <laughs> you know how? They asked for a transfer. Oh, I'm teasing, because sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're not offended, you just need a transfer. Can I get an amen? Nothing wrong with that, please. Uh, maybe I spoke too soon. <laughs> I'm glad I transferred here, I'll tell you that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, they decided they weren't going to follow the Lord anymore. They may follow somebody else, but they won't go follow the Lord. Okay, in the next verse, verse 67, then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto his twelve, Will you go away also? Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ. Remember, we had talked about, Jesus said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ. He says, Now we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ. We need to be sure of some things. Not just believe them, we need to be sure of some things unmovable in some things. Somebody say amen. amen. He that believeth shall not make haste or, or uh, get agitated. Remember we talked about that. Another point of review is trials come in your life for one reason. Uh, trials come to locate you. They locate a person. They show you where you are. You know, somebody does something and, and you get so mad you could throw the frying pan through the front window. You know what you just figured out? You just figured out that you could throw the frying pan through the front window. That's what you figured out. Hopefully. Right? You hit your, <laughs> you hit your finger with the hammer and swallow all the nails in your mouth. <laughs> you know... That's a trial. <laughs> anyway, tonight we're going to cover a few things. First of all, we're going to cover the shaking. Everybody say the shaking. That tells me, and, and what we'll discover tonight is our offense with Jesus can be when we feel like we are going through things about which God is doing absolutely nothing. How many of you have ever been through something you feel like the Lord wasn't doing anything about it? There's a few of us here tonight. Uh, and second thing we're going to look at tonight, why are so many so easily offended in the shaking? And then last but not least, the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. And we are all testimonies of that because we've all been forgiven. Didn't it feel like the load came off of you when you knew you were forgiven? Man, what a, what a load was lifted by the mercy of the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. 
So let's jump into this, the shaking tonight. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 through 29, and uh, we're going to jump in here. Hebrews 12, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Look at that. The Bible says his voice before shook the earth, but now his voice is not only going to shake the earth, it's going to shake the earth and heaven. Somebody say amen. And this word yet once more signified the removing, listen to that, the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Those are big words. The writer saying God is going to do this so that it can remove those things that are not built on the right foundation. Boy, it's getting quiet already. So God says through the writer of Hebrews 12 that he is going to send his voice. He's done it once. He will do it again. And I believe he's doing it even now. And his word will shake the earth and heaven to remove things that are shaky. He wants to remove some things. Now that, that is a startling uh, thought when you realize that God wants to remove some things from your life. You know, in this day and age, we've got that, that mentality that we're, you know, if we're serving God, we're going to be blessed. Uh, you know, and you hear it, all uh, the televangelists and all the, you know, all those that have 20,000 in church on Sunday, they're passing out blessings and God's blessing this and God's blessing that. And he does. How many thankful for the blessing of God? But it does say that God also is going to shake your life to remove the shaky things. Anybody know you got some shaky things going? I remember they used to have Shakey's Pizza. Anybody remember Shakey's Pizza? No? That was a Louisiana thing. The toppings were all over the place. Like on one side, you knew Shakey was making it. <laughs> no. Anyway. Verse 28. Where, <laughs> jokes are going to be bad tonight. Verse 28. Wherefore we receive, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Listen to that. That says the kingdom of God, and we know that's what it's talking about. The kingdom of God cannot be moved. It's not going to be shaken. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. How many believe that? So we're going to talk about the shaking for a moment. And it says that the Lord is going to send his word, his voice. And it is going to shake everything that's not built on a stable foundation. Everything that is shaky is going to be removed. It's going to crumble. Anybody hearing that? Uh, let's look quickly at Luke twenty-two thirty-one. This is a good example of what we're talking about here tonight. Happening in the time of Jesus with the apostle Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, or for you, that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now that's very interesting that a man could say, Thou art the Christ, get a message from heaven, and the Lord say, My Father just gave you revelation, and Jesus says, You're not even converted yet. Did you read that too? I read it. That's amazing that this man can get that kind of revelation. And Jesus says, oh, by the way, you're getting all these messages and having these words from the Lord. You're not even converted. 
Man, how dangerous could we be if we were converted? If everybody in here, if well, well, I got a word from God or read the Bible and the Spirit said this to me, that doesn't mean you're converted. This is proof positive. Jesus said to the man that said, Thou art the Christ, he said, uh, Satan's going to try to sift you as wheat, and when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Something was going to happen to Peter that would change his life. We need more than just coming to church and getting a little word from the Lord. We need conversion to happen in our lives. We need a life change. No, not just, not just uh, uh, enter another club and pay our dues and, and be on a membership. We need a conversion. Somebody say amen. When you're converted. Verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you. I'm, I am converted. I'm ready. Both to prison, to death. And he's, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou Knowest me. Hmm. The Bible says the Lord told Peter, Satan's going to sift you. You know what sifting is? Sifting is to shake something. You agitate it. You shake it through a sieve or a, a colander or whatever it may be to, to try to, to get to sift out the particles, but the, the larger particles, and you sift it uh, by agitating. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, look at what it says. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. It is interesting that Jesus would say to Peter, your life is about to get shaken and what I'm going to do for you is to pray for you. I want that to sink in. Jesus said, your life is fixing to explode. And what I'm going to do for you is pray for you. Could Jesus do more than that? Could Jesus have stopped him from being shaken? Could Jesus have said, poof, and he be perfect? Sure. But Jesus said, no, you know what? I think shaking's going to be good for you, Peter. And what I'm going to do for you is the best thing I can do for you. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray that after you get shook, that when it's all said and done, you'll still have your faith. Now that's, man, that is powerful stuff right there. That the Lord says through every battle and every adversity and every trial that when you come through it, I want you to still have your faith. Yes, he could remove all the situations. Yes, he could tell Satan, no, you're not going to mess with him. Yes, he could speak one word and take all the difficulties away. But in this case, Jesus said to Peter, you're going through it and all I'm going to do is pray for you. If this is what Jesus does when somebody is about to go through a trial, uh-oh, I think we ought to take note. He did not pray for Peter to be delivered from the sifting. He prayed that Peter's faith fell not. The enemy was intent on destroying Peter, and Jesus knew that Peter needed shaking. <laughs> Amen. He was all talk. Amen. Uh-oh. Is everybody here? 
Yeah, Peter was all boastful. Oh, I'll go to prison. I'll do this and I'll do that. But you know what? The day's not going to end until you deny that you even know me. I know people like that. He looks back in the mirror at me every day. Get real boastful about what we're going to do for God and then have difficulty even making it through the day. Anybody know anybody like that? Oh, yeah, you know them too, don't you? These are things in Peter's life that needed to be shaken. I want to ask some saints of God that got a little gray hair of experience, could you look back on your life and say, you know, some of the tests I went through, <laughs> it was good that I went through them. Amen. I'm wiser for it now than I was. You know, it, and I used to hear it as a young man. I just kind of snicker at it. But I heard a bunch of old men that were younger than I am now. <laughs> I heard a bunch of old fellas say, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now. <laughs> I want to tell you, that's the gospel truth. Man, my parents were the, are the smartest people that ever graced this earth now. <laughs> They were pretty dumb when I was 16. But man, they're smart now. In fact, there are days I wish I could ask them some advice. That's right. Didn't realize it till they were just about gone. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Jesus said, Peter, you're a lot of talk. But I'm praying that when you get through the test, that the thing you have left is your faith. Not that all talk is bad. This is the man that needs to get up on the day of Pentecost and talk. So Jesus doesn't say you're going to learn to keep your mouth shut. He just said you're going to learn what to talk about. There's going to be a little humility infused in you. There's going to be a little compassion put in you. <laughs> you need that, Peter. How I many know there are things you need that the Lord knows you need them and you know you need them? Amen. That's right. So the Lord didn't do anything other than pray for him. Pray for him. I, I noticed he didn't say, well, you know what? Call me every morning and I'll help you get through this. He didn't give him his email. I don't know if you, did you read his email address or his Instagram account? Did you see that hashtag he put in there? No. He said, just know, Peter, I'm praying for you. I don't know about you, but it's pretty difficult sometimes when people know I'm going through a difficult thing, they pat me on the back and say, I'm praying for you. And I walk off and say, is that all you're doing? Well, wait a minute. That's exactly what Jesus did. Now, I think we, we might not understand the power of prayer if that gets our goat when that happens. Because Jesus said, Peter, the best thing I can do for you as you're going through this test is to pray for you. <laughs> When did we lose the value of somebody saying, I've been calling your name every morning in prayer? Oh, well, whoop de doo why don't you come over to my house? Wait a minute. Jesus said, you're fixing to go through a trial, and I'm going to intercede for you. Prayer is important. Prayer is valuable. We need to pray for one another. I believe Jesus, here's the deal. I believe Jesus knew what to do to help Peter. But you know, you and I, we're, we're not the Lord. Brother Jim, when somebody, think about this. If a, if a person's child goes through a tragedy or, or something happens or a family member commits suicide, I don't know if you know what to say. I don't know what to say. And some people say, well, nobody said anything. Well, you know why? Because they don't know what to say. 
Now Jesus knows what to say in every situation, but he chose in this moment to take the route that we have to take. All I can do is pray for you. We need to exalt the phrase. We need to cherish the voice of a saint of God that walks up to us and says, I know you're going through it and I want you to know that I'm praying for you. Those words ought to have incredible value in an apostolic church. Now, if we're praying, now if we're not praying, if we're just driving down the road and thinking about them, thinking about them is not praying. I think I need to address that too. Thinking about God and thinking about your request is not praying. Unless you're thinking fervently. Because the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That, that, that doesn't mean I'm sitting in the corner meditating. Now meditating is important, but thinking and meditating is not prayer. Prayer is lifting someone before the Lord, vocalizing your faith to God and asking Him. He said, if you ask, you shall receive. I don't think I've ever said to my kids, I don't know what to get you for Christmas, but just sit over there and think about it, and I think I'll come up with it. No, what do my kids do? They give them, Now they put it online. Dad, it's on Google Docs. <laughs> what? Google what? I just need a Christmas list. I don't need to find. <laughs> Do you have any paper? <laughs> Sorry. So Jesus could do something about it. I got to hurry. Jesus could do something about it. He could change all of it. But he, he took the path that really we, the only path we can take. Because really in people's trials, we, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to help them. We don't, sometimes we don't even know the words to say. But we know that God does. <laughs> We know that the Lord can give them strength. In fact, I don't know if you noticed it or not. I'll close with this. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but Jesus said, I'm leaving all this support I'm giving you. I'm leaving. <laughs> I won't be here anymore. He said, I'm checking out, but I tell you what, I'm not going to leave you what? Somebody yell that word. Comfortless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. You know what that does? That's a double negative. I will not leave you comfortless. That means I will leave you comforted. You will receive comfort. Well, nobody was there to comfort me. You know, you've got the Holy Ghost. Or you claim to. I wonder sometimes if you don't have any comfort, I wonder if you have the Holy Ghost. That's shocking to think about, isn't it? Because he said the Holy Ghost is given to you to be a comfort. I thank him for it. I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't have made it if it hadn't been for his spirit in my life. I wouldn't have made it. I can't pin this on anybody. No, I can't go give somebody a blue ribbon and say, you're the reason I made it. Now, my mother prayed for me. My pastor preached to me and baptized me. But I want to tell you, if it hadn't been for the Lord, I wouldn't be here tonight. That's the fact. He's been my comfort. He said things to me that nobody else could say to me. He got through to me when nobody else could get through to me. He drew me when nothing else was drawing me. Oh, come on, give the Lord a good hand clap tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Help me, Lord, beat the clock. That leads me to my second subject we're going to talk about tonight. We talked about everything's going to be shaken. Turn to your neighbor and tell him everything's going to be shaken. Get ready. Get ready.
All right, then let's also look at why are so many so easily offended in the shaking. You know it's coming. I got good news for you. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Does anybody know he's a man of his word? He doesn't make a promise and go back on it. Okay, if he did, he was a liar. He's not going to lie for it. So he's telling us everything that can be is going to be. Get ready for the shaking. Your life is going to be shook. Okay. Why are we offended when it happens? Well, Mark 4, 16. Amazingly, let's look in the Bible for these answers. Mark 4, 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, woo, that was awesome preaching, Pastor. Man, wow, I'm so glad you preached that. Sister so-and-so needed it. <laughs> They receive it with gladness. Verse 17. But they have no root in themselves. And so endure just for a time. Afterward when affliction or persecution arises. For the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. Wait a minute. The same words you were glad about. Is going to be tested on Monday. It doesn't happen much. It's amazing when it happens with an evangelist because everybody goes, ooh, it must be God. Because the evangelist doesn't know what you're going through. He gets up here and says things and you go, ooh, did Brother Gene tell him? I've had people call me, did you tell him? No, I didn't tell him a thing. I just let him blunder out there and be used to God and it's amazing what happens. And you respond and you worship. I've been preaching and the Lord speak to me about somebody in that service. And I preach my heart out. And, and, and before I can even give the altar call, they're already in the bathroom and grabbing their stuff and headed out the door. I, mean, I don't know what other to do than to just go back there and say, look, in front of God and everybody, God just told me you're the one that needs this message tonight. Because the fact of the matter is some people enjoy the word, but by Monday, (laughs) they're offended. And it's only to prove the word. Everybody hear me? They are offended because they had no root. The Bible says because they have no root in themselves. They endure for a time, but afterward, because of affliction or the heat, immediately they're offended. Everybody say no root. This is why John was on the Isle of Patmos. He said, I'm your brother and companion in tribulation. I was on the Isle that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm going through this difficulty for the word of God. I'm going through this test for the word of God. Somebody say amen. So why were so many easily offended in the shaking? The Bible says it. No root. Everybody say no root. Everybody say no root. It's that simple. So why are people so easily offended when they, their life shakes and they think Jesus should have done something about it? He doesn't. The Bible tells us he ever lives to make intercession for us. So, hey, the fact of the matter is, just like he prayed for Peter, he is praying for us. Somebody say amen. 
Okay, no root, but they get offended. Something happens. Affliction arises. They love the preaching of the word, but you know what? And they, they listen to it on the podcast, but so-and-so called them or somebody did this to them or somebody said something or, or a tragedy struck their life. And now because they have no root, they loved the sermon when you preached it. They believed it and accepted it, but because they have no root, now they're offended. No root. No root's the problem. Everybody say, no root. Well, what in the world does that mean? No root. That's fine and dandy, but what does it mean to have roots? Ephesians 3 and verse 16. I'm not going to read it. You can write it down. The Bible tells us the way we are to be rooted. We are to be rooted and grounded in something. In what? In love. Everybody say love. We are to be rooted and grounded in love. And the Bible says that they were offended because they had no roots. Now, if we love the Lord with all of our heart, and the Bible says that's the way you're supposed to love Him. How many love the Lord? If you love the Lord with all your heart, you should be rooted and grounded in an intense love and trust for God. No matter the storm, no matter how intense it gets, the devil tries to move you away, but you're rooted in love because you love Jesus. How many feel that way tonight? To be rooted and grounded in love. Now this is very important in 1 Peter 2 and 6. It says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him should not be confounded. Remember we read that a couple weeks ago. Unto you therefore which believe is he precious, but unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is the head of, is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Look at that. Does anybody know who the cornerstone is? Everybody shout Jesus. Okay, let me tell you what else he is. He's a stone of stumbling. He's a rock of offense. Look at that. We think, well, that's what I build my life on. But the Lord says you're building your life on a stone of stumbling. A rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Now, I want you to look back at verse 7 as we move on here. Look at verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe. If I say believe. I think that word's in yellow. That's very good. He is precious. To those that believe, he is precious. Oh, I love the Lord. Yeah, but my, that storm, I didn't know, know if I can serve the Lord. If I, He brought me, you know, I, I went through this and, and he didn't do anything about it. And I just don't know if I can serve the Lord. I think I'm going to give up. He is precious to those that believe. Oh, I'm a believer. Well, wait a minute. How do you go through the storm? <laughs> he is precious to those that believe. It doesn't matter if my dad dies in a way he, you know, that I don't understand. It doesn't matter if I go through difficulties in my life. Lord, you are precious, more precious than anything else. Anybody feel that way tonight? How many love the Lord tonight? He's more in... You're all I want. You're all I need. Well, okay. Unto them which believe is he precious, but unto them which be disobedient. Everybody say disobedient. You do see the contrast here, don't you? Believers and disobedient. 
To those that believe, he's precious. But to them that are disobedient, he's a stone the builders disallow. And the same has become the head of the corner. It's not difficult to obey when you know the character and love of the one that you are submitting to. Love is the bottom line. Not loving the church. Should you love the church? Absolutely. But if you only love the church, you're going to get offended. Not principles. <laughs> well, I love the word. Well, listen, the word can even offend you sometimes. You, you need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do we need to love people? Yes, but we love God more than we love people. Do we love God more than church people? Absolutely. <laughs> because if we get anything ahead of God... To those that believe, is he precious? He's the most important thing to me. Somebody say amen. We have a full description of Jesus and his actions in the Gospels. Some of them are shocking. You have a full description of Jesus and his actions in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We all have this picture of what and who Jesus is in our heads. He's this real nice quiet spoken keeps his hands folded all the time and he's always saying lovely things to everybody and, and I think he's you know if he's a good southern Jewish man he's, he's always saying well bless your heart well bless your heart you know I'm not sure what he means but he said it so sweetly well bless your heart Oh, I feel so badly for you. No, that's not the Jesus I see. In fact, Jesus offended religious people. I mean, flat out offended them. <laughs> when they showed up, one time he said, you're, you're, you're like an old tomb that's full of dead men's bones. You stink. Bless your heart. No. I mean, just right out there. He said, your, your house is the house of spiders and snakes. He offended those in his own hometown. He went back to his hometown and they said, Is this not Jesus? Now he's a carpenter's son. He was working. He made that cabinet for me. They made my coffee table. And now he's going to come here telling us all this stuff. He offended them. And then he said, Hey, a prophet, don't worry about it. Disciples are prophets without honor his own country anyway. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? He offended his own family members. James and John and Mary and all of them saying, Jesus, hey, you've lost. In fact, they thought he had lost his mind. You read it in the Bible. It's in there. They thought he had lost his mind. He needed to go to get, he needed to get some help. <laughs> Bad. He needed to get on his medication. Yep. He's gone off his rocker. And the Bible says they, they got together and they pulled him out of the crowd and said, you need to go home with us because you've lost it. And Jesus said, they said, we're your mother, we're your brothers. And he looks right at them and he says, I want to tell you who my parents are and who my brothers are. It's those people right over there. Man, how offended would my mother get? I think my mother at 81 would say, well, yeah, well, you're going to get, well, here, let's, let's go in here to the office. We're going to find out. <laughs> Even at 81, I think she can take me. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? 
Jesus offended. He, Jesus would not be controlled by the desires of his own household. Now, I don't know. I've seen this in homes. Individuals afraid of following the Lord because they don't want to offend somebody. Uh-oh. Oh, it's getting real quiet. Jesus offended his own staff. Well, I'm in good company. Jesus offended his own staff, his own disciples. He offended them. He offended John the Baptist, his closest friend, his cousin. You remember that? John the Baptist said, Lord, are you, are you the one or should we go look for another? And Jesus sends back, <laughs> I love this message. He doesn't say, yes, John, I'm the one. He sends back this, hey, you go tell John. The, the, the poor have the gospel preached to them. The blinded eyes are seen. He don't even say yes. He just says, go tell John everything I'm doing. It seems a little sarcastic. And, oh, and by the way, wait. When you get done, the last thing you tell John, say this. Blessed is he that's not offended in me. Wow. I don't think we would elect Jesus as the pastor of our church now that I come to think of it. I think he'd let us have it. I think he'd look right at us and say, I know you're lying. I know your motive. I know why you're doing that. I know why you're saying that. Wouldn't it be bad to have Jesus as a pastor who knows your heart? Oh, yeah. I know you're manipulating this situation. I know you want an outcome and you're going to twist everything until you get it. Oh, I think he'd say that. You know why? Because I want to say it. <laughs> oh, wait, I just said it. Yeah. What would it be like if he, if he who knows all things and wasn't afraid to tell us the truth? I've sat in marriage counseling, look across, the, well, I wasn't across the desk, across the footstool. I was sitting in a chair and they were in the couch. I'm sitting there and I look right at them and say, okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I start telling them the truth. They look at me like I fell out of the sky. What? We love each other. Oh, I know. I know. But in a couple of years, uh, you're going to need to remember this moment. Oh, I'm getting some old me's now, I think. We must determine without apology and without arrogance that we will obey God no matter what the cost. Is anybody hearing me? No matter what the cause, Lord, I've determined I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to serve you. I don't care if my loved one dies. I, t I told him last night in prayer meeting, Teresa got up and the Lord's done a wonderful miracle for her mother. There was 11 tumors in her brain. They did some, uh, in fact, it was our last prayer and fasting revival on the last night that we sat down with Teresa and said, they found tumors in your mother's brains and Teresa's crying. We're praying, Lord, you're going to take care. 11 tumors in her brain and last night uh, we got the report. They, they all, 10 of them are gone. They can't find them. And one of them, the doctor said, if we didn't know where it was, we wouldn't even know where to find it but we see just a little speck that's the kind of God we serve but listen listen she gets up and testifies on November the 19th last night that's the night my stepfather died of cancer and I'm standing in this room hearing how there's no more tumors. Now, wait a minute. I prayed for him. I fasted for him. God did nothing. Blessed is he that's not offended in me. I'm going to serve God. It doesn't matter what happens. You need to hear what I'm saying. 
Well, it may not turn out like you like it, but you've got to determine in your mind, I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what happens. No, you're not hearing me. I'm going to say it again. No matter what happens, you're going to serve God and love Him. Okay. Let me put it to you this way. I can't tell you how many people that I know they're in a storm and I've walked up to them outside of this pulpit and I've said, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get distracted in this moment. The devil is trying to get you out of your faith. Hold on. God is... I'm saying it again. You better above everything make up your mind you're going to serve Jesus. There will be a shaking. Well, come on, somebody clap your hands under the Lord and worship Him. There will be a shaking. Come on, praise Him right now. Come on, make up your mind. I'm going to serve Him. Oh, hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I want to serve him. Jesus offended some people simply by obeying God, but he never caused offense in order to assert his own rights. He was not afraid to tell people the truth. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Oh, that sounded like a groan. Yes. Anybody hear me? Yes, dear God, we still hear you. <laughs> it's like the little old man went to sleep in the congregational church. Remember those old congregations? Everybody sat on a big long row, and the guy standing in the back with a big old long pole. You kind of didn't know what the pole was, but you found out if you stepped out of line. The old guy in the congregational church, he's sitting there, and the preacher's preaching. He starts dozing off, and the usher in the back walks up, reaches all the way across the people. Taps the old chap right on the back of his head. Pow. He wakes up. I think we're going to get some of those in our church. I think they'd stay busy. I think we might need four or five of them, to be honest. In fact, sometimes they might come up and hit me while I'm preaching, for that matter. Tapped him on the back of the head, and that old fella kind of woke up, and he said, Oh, please hit me again. I can still hear him. I wonder sometimes if that's not what you're thinking. I'm trying to get done here. Now, if Jesus just told people the truth, let me ask you something. Should we be offensive? Should we just go around not caring? And, you know, just be offensive? Just Well, you're ugly. You need to go see an orthodontist. Well, it's the truth. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We need to salt this down a little bit, don't we? Yeah, Jesus didn't, you know, there was, look at this, Matthew 17, 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast in a hook. You want to know why I go fishing? I'm going to get rich fishing. No, maybe not. Maybe I'm going to go poor fishing. Cast in a hook. Listen, Brother Mac, this is why we need to go fishing. The Lord said, we don't want to offend anybody, so let's go fish. It's there. Lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take up the fish that first bites. <laughs> Some of you would be out of luck. You'd miss him. 
The first one that bites, get him in. And when you open his mouth, you'll find a piece of coin. You'll find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and for you. This is the temple tax. And the temple tax, some of the Pharisees were saying, Oh, we noticed your master didn't pay his taxes. And the Lord said, he goes into this story about, you know, the son of the king. Does the son of the king need to pay taxes? And he says, you know, he goes into this long story. This is the last part of the story. He says, listen, I don't really need to pay the temple tax. I'm the God of the temple. But he said, okay, but lest we should offend them, go fishing. You'll get some money, take it, pay the tax. We don't want to be offensive. Galatians 5.13, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Oh, praise God. Anybody glad you've been called to liberty? Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. Look at that. But serve, but by love, serve one another. There's some things we don't do because that might offend somebody. That's a good thing. That's a righteous thing. Everybody say amen. amen. Turn your name and tell them, don't be so offensive. <laughs> Romans 14, 1. He that is weak in the flesh, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. In other words, quit all that arguing. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another is weak. He only eats herbs. Well, I'd say, I'd say he's weak. My Lord, take him to Outback and get him a 12-ounce ribeye. Needs a little protein in his diet. Get him on some <laughs> insure. I'd say he's weak if he's just eating uh, herbs. I mean, I kind of like cilantro. But put that, sprinkle that on a good sirloin. <laughs> but he said some people are offended by meat eaters. Oh, I wouldn't touch that. You know, you got to kill that to eat it. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what about your herbs? <laughs> I'm offended you're eating meat. Everybody needs to be a vegetarian. We need happy cows. <laughs> listen, the Bible says, listen, let's not get in an argument about all this. The one that believes he may eat all things, eat all things. But there's another brother who only eat herbs. Listen, when you're at your house, get you a 12-ounce steak and grill it and eat it and be happy and, and have indigestion the rest of the night. <laughs> and when the friend comes over that eats herbs, don't let him see your freezer. You're not being a hypocrite. You just don't want to offend Am I okay? Yeah. Some things you feel liberty to do. Other people don't feel liberty to do. Don't get in an argument about it and don't offend them. You know in Matthew 18, everybody say Matthew 18. Lord, help me. Matthew 18. This is a discourse on offense. You want to you study, a graduate study on offenses? Look at Matthew 18. And I want to show you real quick. You remember that story about, about being offended and then the Lord says if you're I offend you if your hand offends you if your foot offends you for it's better for you to go through life blind maimed than to go and, and to go to heaven than to be lost with all your members 
Jesus is clearly saying to get rid of whatever causes sin even if it is one of your privileges as being a New Testament believer and you say well I'm at liberty I can do what I want no if it causes you to sin you need to stay away from it and it's not going to be offensive for you to say to people, look, I don't want to be a part of that. I just want, you know, that, that would give me a, that may cause me to be weak. That may cause me to be tempted. I think any God-fearing person would understand those words. Somebody say amen. If it causes your weak brother to sin, the Bible says cut it off. Now let's look at Romans 14, 19. I hurry. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Look. If you want homework, if you just have to have homework to make this an official Bible study, then do this for me. On every social media account you have, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, what's some more of them? Is that pretty much all of them? Everything you do on there, put this verse on your computer, put it on your Facebook for that matter. Let it be the first thing comes up when you're about to type that post let us follow after the things which make for peace is that going to make war or is that going to make peace if it's going to make war leave it alone oh it's getting real quiet but it is exactly right I am so well not so tired I, I get tired of saints of God saying, Pastor, did you see what so-and-so post? Make no mistake about it. You know I'm not in that world. But listen, if you get haywire and start a war, this man's going to find out about it. If you say things uh, about the people of God and about the church and, and about the kingdom of God and people know you attend this church, this pastor is going to know about it. I don't have to troll you to find out. So why in the name of heaven can't we understand that saints of God who are converted that are supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost ought to not be starting wars? Did anybody hear me? Oh, I wouldn't say this on Sunday because some of those people don't know any better. But you know better. I know that you know better. Brother Gene, you're hollering, you're acting like you're mad. I could get worked up about this. Doctor says, though, that it seems like the preaching clears out my lungs and my bronchial tubes. So just take it as I'm not, I'm not really hollering. I'm just getting my breathing therapy in. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Listen, follow after. Let's read this together so it can stick tonight. You, read this with me. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. If this is tearing somebody down, leave it alone. In, in fact, do, do you know, do you know, huh? Do you know the quickest way to get manure and mud all over you is to jump down in that hole with that pig? Oh, wait, I'm going down there to clean him up. No, you get a hold of him, he's going to get manure all over you. Leave him alone. Touch not the unclean thing. Well, I just had to respond. No, you did not. 
The Holy Ghost, when it came in, it filled you and gave you a sign. What was that sign? It was a sign for everybody. What was it? You spoke in tongues. That's a sign that God has control of the most unholy member of your body. It's your tongue. Well, I just had to say something. Well, you need the Holy Ghost. Because if you can't control your tongue, the Holy Ghost is not controlling you. Anybody hearing me? Yeah. Listen, on all your, all your social accounts, all of them, tweet, Instagram, Facebook, listen, if it's not building somebody up, take it down. If it's starting wars, take it down. Well, I'm just going to put it out there. Yep. And you're wondering why your life is shaking. Okay, let's close. I've been going 48 minutes. All right, let's talk about the power of forgiveness. Everybody say the power of forgiveness. I should never be offended by somebody who's obeying God. I'm going to say it again. I should never be offended by somebody who is obeying God. Now, God has told some people some crazy things. Wait a minute. I think it was the old prophet that he got to praying and the Lord said, Reverend, Israel, Israel has lost all their covering. He said, I tell you what, to, to shock them, prophet, I want you to strip off all your clothes and I want you to go walking down through Main Street. And when they say, preacher, you better get your clothes on. You say, oh no, this is the way you stand before God right now. Now, now, <laughs> I'm not asking God <laughs> to give me that word. <laughs> In fact, of the matter, I think, I think if God gave me that word, I wouldn't be upset if you got offended. <laughs> I'm offended. My pastor's walking naked right down Broadway. What in the world? I mean, Bryce, you got a right to run out, tackle me, drag me in your house and say, Pastor, you got to get some clothes on. I mean, my God. You got a right. Yeah. Lord's asked me to do some crazy things. I'm going to say that again. I should never be offended by somebody who's obeying God. Wait a minute. I haven't walked naked down the middle of Broadway but I've done things a lot less than that like tell you the truth and you got offended I didn't go stark naked down airport road I just told you what the Lord told me to tell you and you got upset about it that's what we're talking about we're not talking about, oh, I'd obey, yep, I'm not going to get offended if somebody obeys God. We're talking about huge stuff, like you got cancer and somebody, the Lord told him to come anoint you seven times and, and put a pink cloth over you. Oh, yeah, do it, if the Lord told. But no, the preacher gets up and says, this is what the Lord wants to say to you. Or in the altar, he comes up and says, this is what the Lord, well, I don't want to, I want to hear that. I don't think I'm going back to church there. Power of forgiveness. 
chances of any of us being offended by people who are serving themselves is great. Anybody know you're going to get offended sometimes? Well, the chances of you getting upset and offended, they're great. A person who cannot forgive has forgotten how great a debt God has forgiven them of. Yeah, people are going to do things. You know, they're going to, they're going to say things. They may, in a moment, you know, of weakness, or, or maybe they don't serve the Lord and things happen. If I can't forgive, I've forgotten how great a debt the Lord has forgiven me. I want them to come to the music. These are the consequences of refusing to let go of offense. This is what actually happens. It's found in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Anybody say amen to that? How many like that? <laughs> and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Now wait a minute. It's in the same context with whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I've heard so many people quote that. But they don't quote the next part. that says if you're standing there praying for what you need and you have offense, I want you to forgive so that your heavenly father may forgive you. But that's not at the end. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive. Neither will your heavenly father. Neither will your father which is in heaven. Forgive your trespasses. I want the Lord forgiving me. Matthew 6 14. For if we, ye forgive men their trespasses. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not their trespasses. Neither will your. I don't know how much plainer it can get. If you don't forgive. He will not forgive you. That's what it says. Let me ask you a question. Would you want God to forgive you. In the same way you've forgiven those who've offended you. Oh. I've forgiven them, but I'm not going to forget it. Oh, yeah? Is that the way the Lord forgave you? No. No. He not only forgave you, he forgot it. Well, I can't forget. Oh, God can help you forget. God can make that memory lose its power. Oh, yes, he can. Would you like to, for God to forgive you the way? Oh, well. I forgive them, but I'm not going to speak to them for another year. Startling question, isn't it? Matthew 18, 21. Then came Peter to him. You know, when he's talking about all this forgiveness stuff in Matthew, Peter's got this burning question. Lord, how often? You're talking about forgiving. Okay, I, I'll forgive them. How, how often should I forgive them? Seven times? And Peter's thinking, man, that's, that's a big number. Seven times. Seven times. I forgive somebody seven times. Matthew 18, 22. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. You can do the math real quick. That's 490 times. And amazingly, in Luke 17, it says that same reference says you do that in a day. Now, how many of you love to get eight hours of sleep? How many of you don't get that much? I think some of you don't. I'm noticing it here tonight. How many need eight hours of sleep tonight? <laughs> and I'm cutting into it. If you sleep eight, sleep eight hours a day, roughly, 
that means you, you're awake about 16 hours. Now, I'm not sure if you can forgive somebody in your sleep. So we're not talking about 24 hours because you can't forgive anybody when you're not conscious. So you got to be awake. So let's say your day is 16 hours. 490 times in 16 hours. Do the math. That's about every two minutes you need to be forgiving somebody. (laughs) Wow. Every two minutes that you're awake, you need to be forgiving somebody. And Jesus is saying, that's how much God has forgiven you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Matthew. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I pray right now the power of forgiveness would let us realize it, God. I want to read this. And after Peter, after he tells Peter 490 times in a day, that's every two minutes, Peter. Just start every two minutes forgiving somebody. Man, we wouldn't be offended if we forgave somebody every two minutes. You couldn't be offended. This is why the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your wrath. You're supposed to be forgiving people every two minutes. Yeah, you don't know what he did. I'm still not talking to him. I'm still sleeping on the couch. Every two minutes. I'm telling you the truth. You're laughing, but people do that. Surely you know that, don't you? Yeah, okay. It is the truth. After all that, every two minutes, Peter, he tells a story, a parable. Look at it. Matthew 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, he said, okay, give me all the accounts. One uh, was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents. Wow. But for as much as he had not to pay, the king commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had so that the payment could be made. You know what happened? When the Lord said that, the servant came in and fell down and said, Oh, please don't sell my wife. Don't sell my kids. Don't sell my farm. Please bear with me. Lord, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. Verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave the debt. He said, You know what? I'm not going to sell your wife. I'm not going to sell your farm. <laughs> I'm not going to sell your kids. And then he said, not only that, I'm wiping off the debt. You don't owe me anymore. Man, is that not awesome? That's a pretty sweet deal. Verse 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. I just read that. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, a peer, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet. Look, said the same thing he had just said to the man he owed 10,000 talents. Have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he called him. He said unto him, oh, you're a wicked servant. I forgave you all of that debt because you asked me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant who just owed you a hundred pence, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was angry. Look, you need to hear this. And delivered him to tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, in the same way, shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Oh no, he's just going to stand there and say, bless your heart. No, 
If you don't forgive, your heavenly Father is going to do exactly what I just told you in this story happened. If you refuse to forgive, your heavenly Father is going to do exactly the same. If you do not forgive your brother. Wow. You got to understand the debt. 10,000 talents this man owed is about 750,000 pounds. That's 375 tons. In terms of gold in this day and age, it would be worth $4.5 billion this man owed the king. And the little man that owed him 100 pence, you know how much 100 pence? A pence is a reference to a Roman penny. A hundred pennies. One dollar he owed that man. And Jesus said, if you treat people that owe you one dollar, when you've been forgiven $4.5 billion of debt, I don't know about you, but when I came to the altar, the Lord took a lot of tonnage off of me. The Lord delivered me from all my debt. Oh, I don't know about you, but it was wonderful when he says, I forgive you. When he said, go and sin no more. So who am I? So who am I after receiving all of that? When somebody says something I don't like, or somebody looks at me the wrong way, or somebody posts something that I don't like, and all of a sudden now I'm offended, and oh God, help me to realize that compared to the sin that I was forgiven, This is like one measly dollar. Look at at what the Lord said. The Lord said, the man that had been forgiven all that, the 375 tons, it says he was going to have to pay that debt back. And then it also says you're going to be turned over to the tormentors. I want to tell you something. Nobody's more tormented in their mind than somebody that has unforgiveness. It'll eat your mind up. You'll you'll be eaten up with all kind of vengeance and greed. And I got to get them back. And I'm going to do this. Yeah, it's torture. It's agony. It's punishment. The unforgiving servant had to pay the debt back. Not only that, he was tormented until he did. Jesus was very specific. He didn't want any question about the severity of judgment for those who refused to forgive. So in this little journey in the last few weeks, no matter what people have done, There's power in forgiveness. No matter what the Lord may have done or hadn't done, there's power in realizing that if you love Him, He's going to work all things together for the good of them that love the Lord. And I close with this. I close with this. Jesus said that many would expect to enter the kingdom of heaven and be refused in spite of their spiritual gifts. I want you to look at this. Matthew 7 verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in thy name. We've cast out devils in thy name. And in thy name we've done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worked iniquity. Many will say, we prophesied, we cast out devils, we did mighty works. And he will say, I never knew you. Look at this. Matthew 24, verse 10. And then in the last days, And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. I wonder if the many 
who were prophesying and casting out devils and seeing wonderful words. I wonder if it has any connection with the many that are offended and betray each other and hate one another. Could these two groups be the same people? I don't know about you, but I want forgiveness permeate in my life. I, I, I want to I be forgiven, and I want him to forgive me, so I'm not going to hold forgiveness back from anybody. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they've done. I sure don't want to come to the altar next week and bow down and say, Now, Lord, I need you to forgive me. And him go, Well, you know, that, that really was across the line. I don't know if I can do that. No, I want the Lord to expunge the record. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want us to stand together right now. In fact, I want us all to come to the front, if you would. Just everybody, come on. And I want us to pray together as a body of believers. Lord, I pray you bind us together in unity. There may be hurts in your life. I'm preaching to people that have gone through traumatic things. I'm not lessening what you went through. But I'm telling you right now, there's power in forgiveness. There's power in saying, Lord, I release it. I release this person. Lord, I release this situation. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's come to the altar and just just ask God to help us. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray we will follow after those things that make for peace and that edify one another. I I pray, God, that there would be a a move of forgiveness, a, a, a heart of mercy that would get a hold of your people. I thank you, Lord. This is a healing church. This is a loving church. I thank you, Lord, that that, uh, this is a place that's compassionate. But, God, I pray, Lord, we never forget that you've forgiven us from a great debt, 375 tons of sin. And, Lord, I pray, God, we would be as quick to forgive as you have forgiven us. Oh, Lord, and as we go through life, we're going to need to forgive one another. We're going to need to say, I repent. I'm sorry. I made an error. And, God, I pray that our heart would be compassionate as yours.